Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. How much do you experience the love of your Heavenly Father? Do you have a vibrant and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know and walk in the incredible love of Christ? Let's open our Bibles now to Ephesians chapter 3 and learn about the incredible love of our Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. Today is Friday, the uh, the 8th of January, uh, 2021. Uh, we're in the afternoon, almost two o'clock in the afternoon here in Texas. Hope everyone's doing well, having a good new year. And uh, hopefully you've gotten your new year off to a good start and uh, and, and being more intentional in, in your walk with Jesus and in uh, your focus on Jesus, spending time in your Bible, spending time in prayer, spending time in worship, uh, spending time in thanksgiving and repentance. Um, today we're gonna we're gonna talk about um, we're gonna talk and teach through Ephesians chapter three, verses fourteen through twenty-one. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, read it. And then we'll pray and we'll get rolling. Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your favor. Holy Spirit, we ask you to open our hearts now. We ask you to lead us and guide us as we study your word. Father, we commit this time into your hands and we thank you and praise you. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Um, he is the one who wrote this epistle to the, the church in Ephesus. And when he says, for this reason, he's, he's talking about, he's just got through explaining uh, the mystery of how in Christ, 
believers are one body and one family. And even to the extent of what he calls Jews and Gentiles, we've, uh, I've explained before that there are only two types of people in the world. Biblically, the Bible, uh, if you're of Jewish descent of Hebrew descent, the Bible calls those Jews. And if you're anything else, then you're what's called a Gentile. And um, Jews and Gentiles throughout the Bible are consistently at odds. They don't get along. They don't spend time together. Although the Lord never wanted it this way. You know, the Lord, you are always welcome to come and be a part of, of the Lord's people of, and, you know, be a part uh, of the word of the Lord. But what Paul says when he says for this reason, he just got through talking about how in Jesus Christ, Jews and Gentiles, everyone in the world that receives Jesus Christ, we are all part of one body of Christ. It's truly an amazing, amazing concept. So as Christians, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, Dustin, um, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in, lives inside of you and you are of the same family with everyone else who has received Jesus Christ as their savior. And so it's this marvelous, amazing revelation that with Jesus Christ living in us, we're one family. And he actually says this in verse 15. For this reason, I kneel before the father, verse 15, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We as Christians, and there it is, we are all one family. And think about how faith building this is. Okay. Think about, uh, you know, how, how much this can encourage you that, that this life is not all there is. Okay. You're one family with people, not only on earth, but with people in heaven. It says his home family in heaven and on earth. We're all together. We're all related. If, if you're in Jesus Christ today um, and you're listening to this, then, then you are family with those who have already gone to heaven in Christ. We, we, you know, we are all one family. This, this life is not all there is. We're going to spend eternity in heaven with, with all those who have already received Jesus Christ and who have already gone ahead of us into heaven and are with Jesus now. And that's an encouraging thought. Do you know Jesus Christ today? Are you part of this family, right? That, that, that it's part, you know, where, where God the Father is your heavenly Father. And we're all a big, happy family. Are you part of this family? Have you asked Jesus to come into your heart? Have you prayed, Lord Jesus, I, I know that I'm a sinful person and I ask you to, to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life and save me from my sin and bring me to heaven when I die. I place all my faith and trust and hope in you alone, Jesus, to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. You want to be part of this family and we're part of this family by faith, by faith in Jesus Christ by believing and trusting and relying on Jesus. 
Back to verse 14, Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. I've said this before, and just be, just before we started the recording, uh, a younger sister of mine who I've known a long time, her name is Susanna, and she's a, uh, she's a nanny um, for our uh, IT guy, Stephen. And, uh, and she said that, you know, she kneels with the children for the most part, whenever she's putting them to sleep, you know, she'll, she'll kneel with them and she'll kneel on the ground. Many of us as Christians have lost this art of sometimes we ought to posture ourselves in the most humbling way and place possible. And Paul says that he kneels before the father, that he postures himself and gets down on his knees. Oftentimes when he prays. And kneeling helps our soul when we will posture ourselves in a, in a position of humility and worship before our Heavenly Father, before the Lord Jesus, before the Holy Spirit. It really does help us and center us on, on being in a place where we can receive. You see, because when you're praying, generally you're asking for something, right? You're going to the Lord and you want something. And so when you kneel down, you're posturing yourself in a way knowing that your heavenly father hears your prayers and that you're showing him that, that you know he is the one that's in authority. He is large and in charge, so to speak. He is the boss, right? Um, and, and, and he deserves to be worshipped. He deserves for us to have this posture. He doesn't need it. When we kneel, it's for our benefit, you know, not for his. Now, let me say this. Um, there are many people who, who aren't able to kneel, okay? And make no mistake, the Lord is more concerned with the posture of your heart, Ed, than he is the, the posture of your body. But as I've said again, if you can kneel, it is a benefit to you to do so. Now, if you're in a position where you're not able to do that, I have a, uh, I have a very, very close friend. His name is Abraham. Good biblical name, mind you. Um, and, and he's a, he's a quadriplegic. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a suffering that undoubtedly no one who's listening to this, no one can relate to. He has, uh, he has no movement. In either of his legs or either of his arms. Obviously, Abe is not going to be able to, to kneel, right? And the father understands that, right? So for you, Abe, and I thank you for your prayers when, when you pray, okay? Obviously, you, you just want to get your heart. For all of us, if you're in the car, obviously you're not going to kneel. Um, this is not a religious thing, okay? It's good to get down by your bed or wherever you are and kneel sometimes. But if you can't kneel, maybe you're driving, um, maybe you have a health issue, um, then you just, you know, you close your eyes and you just try to posture your heart in this, uh, in a submissive way. Does it make sense to me? You just posture your heart in a way where, you know, you're just, you're humbling yourself before the Lord Jesus Christ, acknowledging your need of him, acknowledging, you know, his, his, uh, his, his all powerful sovereignty that he is God, 
and that we are his creation. We're his property. He owns us. And so we want to, we want to kneel if we can. But again, throughout our day, sometimes if you're taking a walk and you're praying, you just, you just want to have this posture of humility and submission before your heavenly father. And it doesn't have to be all the time. You know, if, if it can be once a day for a minute, I believe it does help us um, to, to posture ourselves. C.S. Lewis said that as human beings, we're animals and what our bodies do affect our souls. And he was making a point that, uh, that when we kneel, it, it can be helpful to us. And so we're all part of, of, of a family in Jesus Christ. And, and, and we ought to really act like a family. You know, as Christians, we ought to, we ought to act like a, a family of believers. You know, we ought to, we ought to be concerned for one another. We ought to, we ought to think about one another. We ought to love one another, right? We ought to give to one another and we ought to forgive one another. And, and that's what it means to be a Christian family. And I think in, you know, we're at a place right now in 2021 in the church where we don't do this really as well as we need to. You know, we, we really do need to have more concern for our brothers and sisters in Christ and the body of Christ, and not only in our own house, but, but all over the world. Um, you know, there are different Christians in different parts of the world that are growing, uh, going through immense struggles in, in different ways, and we do want to have concern for them. Verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's a mouthful. I'm going to read that again. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I'm going to break that down for you. Okay. I pray that out of his glorious riches. So when you see a prayer in the scriptures, again, this is the great apostle Paul. He wrote half the new Testament and he's praying for these Ephesians. This is a prayer that would be good for you to pray. It would be good for me to pray. He is praying that God, the father would strengthen you, but he asks for strength through the Holy spirit in your inner being. Oftentimes when we pray, we want strength in our physical lives. We want strength for, for, for physical things, natural things, material things. But, but we our, our inner man, our inner woman, right? Our spirit needs to be strengthened, doesn't it? Does that make sense, y'all? That, that, you know, sometimes you want to pray that the Lord would strengthen your spirit. He would strengthen, he would strengthen you in soul and in spirit that your inner being would be strengthened. Aren't most of our prayers about our outer being? We want to have a prayer life, but when you look at, when you look at this prayer right here, I think most of us would admit, Tim, that these are not the kind of prayers we pray. Are they, Dustin? We want to pray. We want to ask the Lord to bless us, but aren't most of our prayers... Sweetheart, almost completely outward. It's my wife, May, I was talking to. 
My wife and uh, May and I pray together. I pray with my daughters, uh, Kristen and Lauren. And y'all, aren't most of our prayers more outward, meaning about outward things? Look at this prayer right here. I mean, this prayer is just, I mean, this has to be Bible. It has to be the word of God. It's so thick, Stephen. I pray that out of his glorious riches, do you know that, that your heavenly father has so many riches? Just try to wrap your mind around when you're going to him in prayer, he, he, he's rich. Okay. They're glorious riches. They're not, they're not earthly riches. Earthly riches don't have no glory. These are glorious heavenly riches. He has so much. And again, look what Paul prays that out of everything he could ask God the Father for, he asks for strength through the Holy Spirit in your inner being. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. You just want to pray, Holy Spirit, I ask you to strengthen me with power in my inner being, in my soul. We were, uh, we were, we were doing a Bible study yesterday at, uh, you know, we had, we had like 43 people at the house. And, uh, I mean, these, you know, you know, these people are sharp. These, these, the, 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 the girls and boys are not that young anymore. They're in their twenties, I guess. Some a little older, some a little younger. Um, but, um, you know, uh, we, we, we were talking about this, that we really want to strengthen and feed our spirit, right? You want to be feeding your spirit and strengthening your spirit. Part of that is, 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 is the quality of prayers and the type of prayers that we pray cash, right? We do want to pray and ask the Lord for all the different outward aspects of our life, but, but man, how much do you pray about the inward things, Susan? Landon, how much do you pray about the inward things, Liv? Right? Father, I do pray that out of your glorious riches, that you would strengthen us one and all with power through your Holy Spirit in our inner being. And Father, I ask you to help us to, to have this type of prayer in our lives this year. That we would have this type of, of inward prayer in our lives this year more and more and more and more. Thank you, Lord. And look at verse 17. What's the reason he wants the Father to do this? Okay. This just dripping with this just dripping with the word of God. It is all the word of God, but can't you just tell this is scripture? This ain't like reading some book somewhere, gone with the wind. I don't know what y'all read. But th this is. The reason for this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, Abe, so that, verse 17, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul wants Christ to dwell. He wants him to be at home there. Now, here's the good news, Abraham. I, I told you my, my brother Abraham your inner being, Abraham, right? That's not, uh, that's not paralyzed. Your inner being, Abraham, is not stuck. 
It's alive and well. And in Jesus Christ, when you leave this body, you'll get an immortal body. You, you will never have these issues again, my brother. Okay. But right now, these prayers, you notice Paul, these prayers, Abraham, from Paul, the apostle Paul, are about the inner man. And you're, and you're no, no worse off than anybody else here. That when you pray, Abraham, for your inner being to be strengthened by Jesus, by the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, for this reason, so that not, not for some outward thing, Abe, he says in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It could be you, Abe. It can be your best man, Timmy. Both of you, on a, both of you in the same place. Paul wants Christ to dwell in your hearts through faith. And that's got nothing to do with your outer being. It's an inward blessing and it's the inward blessings, the inner blessings, the spiritual blessings that are by far the biggest blessings. Paul wants all this to happen. Not so somebody can go out and have a big house. Not so somebody can have anything physical. All of this, Paul is concerned with your inner man, your inner woman, your, the, the, the spiritual person and how that's growing. He wants Christ to dwell in your hearts through faith. And any physical difficulties we're having won't prevent that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The goal of this is that Christ may dwell in your hearts. As a Christian, Jesus Christ lives inside of you. He actually lives in you. He's one with you in spirit. The spirit of Jesus Christ and your spirit are joined. Matter of fact, marriage, Kristen, Nathan, it's my daughter and soon-to-be son-in-law are getting married. When you get married, you'll become one physically, right? Through intimacy, you become one physically in this life. But that's supposed to be a picture of your marriage to Jesus spiritually right now as Christians you're married to Jesus and he lives inside of you and is one with you but you want him to dwell there you just don't want him to be a stranger pops in and out sometimes you just don't want to be a passing thought on Sunday morning y'all want Jesus to dwell in your hearts so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith Lord Jesus I do ask you to help us and strengthen us with power through your Holy Spirit and our inner being so that, Jesus, you may dwell in our hearts more and more and more and more by faith, Lord. It's not by effort. It's by faith. And if that's not enough, he's going to keep rolling. He said, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, that's kind of deep, and I pray that you, Matthew, being rooted and established in love. We use the word love a lot, right? We throw the word around a lot, um, and it's a good thing, okay? But Paul just don't want you to just walk around saying, I love you, although it's good to say. I say it all the time, okay? Paul wants you to be rooted in love. He wants that love to go deep down, Scott. It's got to go down further. Rooted in love. I'm told that the roots of a tree can go a long, long, long way. 
right? That's where you want your love to go deep down, be rooted in love, established in love. What's it mean when you're established? You're set that your love is so sound that wherever you go, they don't even know that your name is, is Abraham. Isn't that guy's name love? What's that guy's name? Dustin? No, his name is love because you're so established in love. So rooted in love. I got a long way to go, Lord, because my name's not love. I do try to love. Um, I, I, hopefully I'm doing all right, but I know I got a long way to go. Father, I do ask you to help us to be rooted and established in love. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. So once you got that locked down, rooted and established in love, in love may have power. See, first you got to have the love. In love, there is power, y'all. You see what he said? I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. Everybody wants power, but we don't want the love that goes with the power. We want to live selfish, self-serving lives and wonder why we don't have any power. It says, if we'll be rooted and established in love, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints who are rooted and established in love. You would have power together with all the saints. I'm reading verse 18 to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. The more we grasp the love of Christ and look how Paul says it, how wide, you know, Jesus stretched out his arms and took a nail in each, in each hand, right? How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. When you look at how wide and long and high and deep, you can almost look at a cross right there, right? How wide, you know, the part that goes across, how long, up and down, how, how deep. It's just the love of Christ at the cross. Jesus died in our place. As sinful men and women, we deserved eternal hell. But Jesus came in. He came in. And the death that, 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 that you should have died and I should have died, Nora. He came and took that punishment for you and for me, for all of us, right? When you see the cross, you can see how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And if you can grasp that, and we don't, but Paul says that as you grow and are rooted and established in love, that there will be power, he prays, and as one family together as all the saints to grasp the whole prayer is that you may truly get this revelation and understanding of how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Number one, verse 19, and to know this love, you want to know the love of, of Christ. Just truly know and experience the, the love of Jesus Christ and walk in that love and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. You just, you do want to know about it. Most of us as Christians know about that love, but there's a difference between knowing about the love and knowing intimately and experientially that love. Mm. 
Lord, we want to know this love that surpasses knowledge. We want to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Lord, help us to, I don't know, get out of our own head, Lord. Help it, help us that it can just not be this ethereal love, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus, that we would get past this love. We would know this love that surpasses knowledge. And then Paul says, when all this is, is in place, he says that you may be filled, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And this, this statement right here is, is near absurd. How can you be filled to the measure? It's one thing to be filled to the measure of, you know, some nice measurement. But Paul wants you to be filled to the measure of the fullness of what is the fullness of God. There is no fullness. He just, there's just so much of him. How can I have be filled with all that? You know what I'm saying, Chris, Anthony? How can you be filled with the measure of the fullness of God? There's so much in God that's beyond our comprehension, Susanna, that how am I supposed to be filled with all the fullness of God? There are scholars that have said, theologians that have said that this verse is, it's just, it's, it's so big that we would be filled, Paul asked, to the measure. And Paul said, you know the measure I want for you is the fullness of God. That's quite a measure to be filled with. Lord, if we could even begin to have some of this, Lord. Um, I, I, Lord, I just want more of this. I know all of us do, Lord. I ask you to help us, Lord, to begin to just begin, Lord, to pursue our relationship with you in this way, to pursue our prayer life, that we get down on our knees and have these kind of prayers, Lord, that we might begin to walk in this way. And you notice Paul's not even praying for himself. The most amazing thing about this is, is when I'm praying this, I want all this for me. He's praying for this whole church. So not only do you want to pray these things on behalf of yourself, but you want to pray them on behalf of others. Golly, Lord. All right. Verse 20, finishing up. Wow, Lord. Whew. Now to him who is able. <laughs> yeah, he is able. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. You take all the imaginations of all the people in the world. And some of y'all got quite an imagination. Some of y'all can imagine I, that, you know, I go throughout my days and minister and some people can imagine some stuff. This says he could do immeasurably more. What's immeasurably more mean? Tim, Tim eight. You can't even measure how much more your heavenly father in Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, can do for you and wants to do for you and has the power to do. Power, Ed. Power, Chris. 
Power, Melanie. Power. Pow, pow, power. Now to him who was able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us. Hold up. He just said he can do this word immeasurably. We can't even imagine. We can't even, um, we can't even measure how much more he can do than we, we imagine. It's immeasurable how much more he can do. But how does he do it? According to his power. But listen to this. Verse 20. That is at work within us. If Jesus is in you, if Jesus Christ is in you, there is an immeasurable power in you in Christ, that if you can tap into that just a little more, you will have no idea what will open up before you. The joy, the peace, the favor, the love. You start grasping how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. You start walking in this love because you're rooted and established in it for all your brothers and sisters in Christ. That power is in you, in Jesus Christ. Now to him who was able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Father, we thank you that you're working in us, helping us to grow to know you and to love you and to walk with you and to obey you, Lord, and, and to love one another, Lord, and to... Lord, Father, we just thank you for that power that's helping us that we might know the love of Christ, that we might truly grasp this love of Christ, Father. Lord, help us. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. Forgive me, Father, where I so consistently fail to see the love of Christ because I'm just so concerned about everything that's going around me. Forgive me, Lord. Verse 21. To him, your heavenly father, be the glory. He needs to have all the glory, right? We all, we, we, we say it a lot, but it really needs to be true. Okay. Because when we get glory, we don't handle it well. I don't handle glory well. As people, you know, when we're, when we get glorified or when we get glory or when we get known or we get talked about, it, 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 does, it, it doesn't serve us well. He needs to have the glory. Because if we have glory, we, you know, we, don't, we just don't handle it well. That's why the Bible says to him be the glory. And it doesn't say to Scott be the glory, to John be the glory. It doesn't say to May be the glory. It says to him be the glory because that's, that's where it belongs. He can manage the glory. Right? When human beings get too much glory, they get a little big in the head, right? To him be the glory in the church. He's saying there's so much glory, it just can't be held in Dustin. Okay? To him, to him be the glory in the whole church. The glory of your heavenly father needs to fill everything. It can't be contained. Okay? You can't contain it. What did we used to say in basketball, fellas, right? You can't stop John Morton. You just got to contain him. Is that, was that it? I, I forget. It can't be contained, though. 
The glory of God cannot be contained. Maybe it was, you can't stop Abraham, you just got to try to contain it. The glory of God cannot be contained. To him be the glory in the church, everywhere, around the world, all believers. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, right? Everything's about Jesus. There's no glory without Jesus. There's no meaning without Jesus. There's no life without Jesus. There's no God without Jesus. There's no nothing without Jesus. Jesus is everything. Do you know Jesus today? Have you received Jesus into your heart? Have you prayed and asked him to come into your heart and to be the Lord of your life and save you from your sin? Everything's about Jesus. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. You got to like that. Paul just said, on just forever and ever and ever and ever, if there's people until Jesus returns, it's always about our heavenly father, the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit being glorified through Jesus Christ, our Lord. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Yes, it's for you too, not just for your mom or your dad or your grandmother, or your grandfather, and it's for your kids too. Jesus is for every generation, for all time, everywhere, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Isn't that redundant? Ever and ever. The Bible wants to make it clear that it's always, always, always going to be this way. Forever and ever. It'll never stop. Father, we do love you. We do bless you. We do thank you. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for your favor and your grace. Father, we do ask you to help us, Lord, as a family of believers, Lord, to kneel before you, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that out of your glorious riches, you would strengthen us with power through your Holy Spirit in our inner being. Father, we pray this so that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. And that, Lord, that you would help us to be rooted and established in love, that we may have power together with all our brothers and sisters in Christ, all the saints, that we may grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And Father, we pray that we would know this love and that it would surpass knowledge, that we, we pray that it wouldn't, wouldn't just be that we know about this love, but that we would intimately experience and know this love of Christ, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you and we know that you are able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, Lord. And we know that's because of the power that lives in us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we proclaim that you have all the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ for all generations. It's in Jesus' name we pray forever and ever. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. 
If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.